0: Of the book of Proverbs. We're going to kind of be looking at Proverbs a bunch tonight, uh, a bunch of different passages along with uh, some others, a lot of familiar passages of Scripture as uh, this evening we're going to be dealing with uh, how to overcome anger. And you'll have to forgive me, but I left my glasses at home. I am getting more used to wearing them. Uh, so if I'm standing back here to read, the t- <laughs> no, it won't be quite that bad, but uh, it is, things are blurry. So if I misread something... Uh, or what have you, just have some uh, grace with me there. Uh, but we, we're in the how-to series and just kind of looking at how to do different things. Had a couple recommendations from the church family already, and, and that is great. Uh, but this evening, we're going to look at how to overcome anger. Now, if this is something that you struggle with and something that you have as part of your life, uh, I want you to understand it is very serious, and uh, you need to get this under control. And uh, I would encourage you, back in 2020, I preached a three-part series uh, on on anger, and uh, that would be on our website or on the uh, Sermon Audio page, and you can listen to those. Uh, If this is an area that you're struggling, you could go back. And uh, and listen to those, and maybe get some more uh, insight to it. But in Proverbs chapter number sixteen is where we'll begin. Uh, Proverbs sixteen verse number thirty-two. Uh, we'll just use this as a as a jumping off point as a verse. As there's a lot that the Bible has to say with regards to anger. Proverbs sixteen thirty-two says, "He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth the spirit than he that taketh a city." Anger. You know, this really is. Uh, uh, several people I, I read uh, about this. This is in in our country. Uh, it's a it's it's another pandemic. Uh, the anger. People have such little control over their own spirit. It's amazing. I mean, you see. Uh, I mean, road rage is a very evident thing in society today and it's amazing how mad somebody can get because somebody cut them off in traffic. I mean somebody pulled off in front of them when they didn't want somebody there and they get so mad they will ram somebody with their car or they just the crazy things that they do because this road rage actually in Chicago on the, on the signs over the road several places I saw uh, don't engage uh, aggressive drivers That promotes road rage, (laughs) you know, so uh, don't don't, you know, propagate that. Don't try and encourage that. Don't just let them go. If there's an aggressive driver that bothers you, you know, don't don't chase them down. But in society today, it's amazing how angry people get over the smallest things. From the very first murder that is in the Bible, which was brought about because of jealousy and anger, Until today, it's been an ever-increasing problem. There was 15,000 people murdered in the USA last year. 15,000 murders in the U.S. Anger can range from a mild annoyance to a mindless rage, where you lose all control and all uh, ability to think and to focus. And I've told you before as a young man that uh, I had a temper and that's what happens. Your mind just takes over and you just do whatever comes to mind or whatever you feel like doing. And, uh, you know, I told you, my I, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. I learned that because my dad quoted it to me so many times, there's no way I'll ever forget it. I mean, I, I heard that many, many, many times because I had an anger problem. I had a problem with a temper. And, uh, you know... I had the rod of correction to to try and help get get that under control, and I thank God that my dad did. I, I'm not saying that I always am. I'm not as consistent in, in my spirit as my dad is, um, but uh, i i don't I don't think I have an anger problem. <laughs> I think that I, I'm able to keep it for the most part under control. Uh, just kind of a side note: I sat down with somebody at a table there at uh, Providence and. They knew my dad, and uh, they, said, they said, I've never had a chance to meet you, I don't think, but I know your dad. And uh, he says, I'll never forget it. About 25 years ago, we thought that my son was going to die. Uh, I took my son to the hospital. We thought he wasn't going to make it. Um, he ended up spending about six weeks in the hospital. Uh, he says, but we're in the hospital that first night, and uh, who walks through the door but your father? Your father. From, from several hours away, he heard about my son, and, and he got in his car and drove down there and stood in the hospital with me that night. And uh, just again, in my mind, <laughs> saying, "Dad, everywhere I look, Dad's setting up a you know a higher standard for me to try and live up to, you know He's just really reminded me about what I need to be doing." And uh, I said, "Well, praise God and, and uh, thank you for sharing that with me." But I'm not as consistent as dad was, but we need to need to be able to get our anger under control and and be able to, as it says here, rule your spirit. Rule over your spirit. Uh, Don't get out of control. Don't let that temper uh, take control of your life. Um, The ability to control your anger is no small feat. It truly deserves more honor than the one who could take a city. According to this verse, I mean, we look at a guy that can take a city and we would think, well, he's going to be he's going to have accolades and he's going to have rewards and he's going to have, you know, things pinned on his chest and everybody's going to recognize him because he was able to take this city. And God says, hey, more honors do somebody that can control their spirit. So what I'm saying is this is a very important thing. That we're able to control our spirit, that we overcome anger. Uh, And uh, we'll see here, first of all, the, the definition with regards to anger. The dictionary gives us, 1828 dictionary, it's a violent passion of the mind excited by real or supposed injury. By real or supposed. It doesn't even have to be an actual injury. It sometimes can be just a supposed injury. How many of you ever misread a situation? And, and you, you lashed out at your mate or your, you know, one of your kids or something because you, in your mind you came in and you thought this is what was going on and then you, you lost it and then you found out what was going on then you felt like a heel, right? <laughs> you felt like, oh man, and, and, and you, you just felt about this big because you, you lost it over something that you just misunderstood. And so it doesn't even have to be real, but if we're not in control of our spirit, then it's too late. We've already, let, we've already blown up. We've already erupted. It goes on, it says, usually accompanied with a propensity to take vengeance, to gain or obtain satisfaction from somehow offending the offended party. So the idea that, that anger goes beyond just a, a, a boiling up and, and an internal spirit, anger carries it a step further trying to get revenge, trying to get even, somehow to balance the scales. It's a strong feeling of displeasure. A biblical definition, the Hebrew word for anger uh, is uh, interpreted or translated a rapid breathing through the nose. Um, And the Greek word is a desire for violent passion for punishment. That idea of getting even. You know, the Bible tells us that people who are not in control of their spirit that are angry people, are foolish. They're foolish in in what they do. Ecclesiastes 7, verse number 9 says, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. You do foolish things. In 1970, an Arizona lawyer named Russell H. Tanson filed a $100,000 damage suit against God. The suit was filed on behalf of Mr. Tanson's secretary, Betty Penrose. Betty Penrose accused God of negligence in his power to control the weather because he had allowed a lightning bolt to strike her house. It went to court and they won in court because the plaintiff didn't show up. But I, I think she's still waiting for payment. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know what results of that. But I'm just saying that, that anger can cause you to do such foolish things. Like, how, how dumb is that? That you would try and do that. The Bible associates anger with pride. It's associated with an internal or desire for, of wrath. It's associated with bitterness. Bitterness in your spirits. Um, but I want you to understand, beloved, that Anger is a character trait of the old man. It's a character trait of the old man. It's that flesh. It's the human nature side of things. It is not walking in the spirit. It's not being led by the spirit. It's it's when we allow the flesh to reign and that anger will come out in our life. So we see the, uh, the disposition, the character traits, the kind of way that people that are angry act and they're allowing the old man to come out. I want you to realize that anger should be fought against and overcome just like any other sin. Just like any other sin, anger needs to be overcome. Um, I have heard and, and know of, of several people who value anger. They, they, they have said they, they would not ever hire somebody that didn't have a temper. Well, that's not biblical, because the Bible is very clear about that we're supposed to be in control of our spirit. There is is no good that comes out of anger. You take every situation and it is exasperated or made worse by anger instead of being helped or made better. Anger is shown on your countenance. Genesis chapter four and verse number six. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? He had anger. He says he he was angry and it was visible on his countenance. Sometimes your children are good at seeing you as a parent and they they know when you're upset. (laughs) They're like, "Uh, uh oh, I'm in trouble. Dad's not happy. Mom's not happy. It's visible on your countenance that something has disrupted the peace in the home. Anger can cause you to lash out or do things even to people that aren't the recipient or the cause of your anger. It ends up hurting other people around, just like we talked the idea of bitterness associated with anger and The Bible tells us that when bitterness is there, that many are defiled. There's many people that are hurt by this and caused by it. In Luke chapter 15, in verse 28, he says, And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. This, of course, is the story of the prodigal son. And the father, we know when his son returned, rejoiced and Killed the fatted calf and said, Hey, the son that was lost is found, he's he's here, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna celebrate. But the older son that was that stayed home was angry, and now he was lashing out and upset at his father. And he wouldn't go in and be a part of it, and his father came out to him. Understanding it truly, we realize that anger is rooted in and it comes from pride comes from self-righteousness. We see in the story of the prodigal son again, he says, and he answered and he said unto his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time. Do you suppose that to be a hundred percent accurate statement? (laughs) I mean he was probably a pretty good kid. But you know all of none of us are perfect he was looking at himself and saying, Man, I've never transgressed, never done anything, never been disobedient one time to you. It, it's, you know, a lot of times because we perceive an injury, we prop ourselves up as this really good person. This, I would never treat anybody like that, or this would never happen to me, or that, that. And, and that allows us righteous indignation because we're much better and we would never do that. And so I'm, I'm justified in having my anger. And this is the heart of this, uh, the older son of the father here. We tend to, anger causes us to, to keep score. The prodigal's older, or the father's older son said, And yet thou never gavest me a kid. That I may make, make marry my friends, he was keeping score. He says, I, "I, you know, you never did this for me." And we tend to keep score when we when we allow that anger to come in. I want you to see the the display of anger. The fact is, is that. The destructive nature of anger is like a volcano. It's as vivid of an illustration as any out there. Because tension and heat builds up to a boiling point and an eruption takes place. And the aftermath is very similar as well. The lava cools, but all the destruction is already done. And anger is the same way. You erupt, you blow up, and, and okay, you cool down, and you can come back and say, Well, I'm sorry, I didn't really mean to say those things. I didn't really mean to do that, but the damage is already done. The hurt has already been caused. The 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 havoc has already been wreaked on those that you love. So anger causes us to make foolish choices. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 17. Proverbs chapter 14, 17 says, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. And a man of a wicked device is hated. He that dealeth foolishly. The wise man fears the Lord. Do you fear God tonight? The wise man is going to fear God. The fool doesn't care. He wants his revenge. Anger causes you to just want your revenge. Anger can overcome your common sense and cause you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. I, many illustrations I can give you about growing up and as a boy when I got angry. One time I got angry and I, my, stuck, I kicked my brother's door and you know, a hollow core door in a house. What happened? My foot went through the door. just because I was mad at my brother. Well, guess what happened when Dad got home? <laughs> uh, you know, I got so mad. I mean, I wouldn't have in my mind thought, I'm going to kick a hole in this door. That's not, I just wanted my brother to know I was upset that, it was, that what he was doing to me wasn't fair. And so I just hauled off and didn't even think about it. I hauled off and kicked the door, and my foot went through the door. And uh, when I got home, when Dad got home, I, I reaped the <laughs> rewards of that. And, you know, one time, I don't even know what happened. I can't even remember why I got mad, but I remember one time I, I kicked my dad's truck door, the door, the side door, and it was the driver's side. So it's the side he's going to see. And, of course, it put a bigger dent in it than you have in your car, John. <laughs> that door where it's caved in there's just a, just caved it in. So how am I going to explain this to dad? <laughs> Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I mean, you just get mad and something takes over, and if you're not in control, it just takes over, and you just lash out. You just do something that you wouldn't normally do. Hmm. During the Korean War, there was a group of soldiers that had hired a young Korean boy to run errands for them. The soldiers uh, had a lot of fun. This good boy seemed to be a pretty good-natured boy, and, and, and they were giving him a hard time. And each day they were picking on him more and more and, and making him run errands that didn't need to be done. And they would all have a good laugh about it. And, and after a couple weeks of doing this, you know, they thought, you know, this boy, he seems to be pretty good-natured about it. I mean, he's not getting too stressed about it. And then they started feeling bad, like ah, we're really this is not kind. We're kind of being mean to him. Uh, we we should stop. And and so they came to him one day and they said, hey, listen, we're we're sorry. You know, we've been really picking on you. We haven't been very nice, and we're not going to pick on you anymore. And he says, oh, that nice, that nice. You know, pick on me, and I stop spitting in your soup. <laughs> so. <laughs> No no wonder he was good-natured about it. He, he's like, I'm getting even anyway. Uh, so, you know, anger can cause you to do things you wouldn't normally do just because you're wanting to get even. You know, it, it hurts innocent people. Um, back there in Genesis, in the story of Cain and Abel, um, you know, God came and says, why art thou wroth? Why, art thou, why is thy countenance fallen? If thou dost well... Shalt thou not be accepted? And now that they did not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Slew him. He wouldn't have done that, but anger took over. Anger took over. The Bible tells us in James that anger does not bring about righteousness. That's what I'm saying. You can't justify it. You can't say, well, there's a place for this and it's good and we can use it. Anger does not bring about righteousness. In James 1 verse 20, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. We see that Murder is the ultimate fruit, the ultimate fulfillment, or the end result of unchecked or uncontrolled anger, which we saw there in the book of Genesis with Cain and Abel from the very beginning. It's continued down through the Bible as well as in modern day. Many people that are in jail tonight, if they could just take back that few minutes of anger they could take that just a few minutes of losing control and losing focus and, and lashing out or, or doing something, and, you know, they just were so mad, they just just had to do something, and so they just struck them one time. They weren't planning to kill them, but it killed them. You know, Jesus assigned the same judgment to anger that was given to murder. In Matthew 5, 21 and 22, he says, You've heard it was said of them in old times that thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. He's saying here, you're in danger of the judgment. You've heard thou shalt not kill or you're going to be judged. He's saying, I'm telling you, don't be angry or you're going to be judged. This is a pretty serious thing. We need to be in control of our spirit. Alexander the Great is known to have had a great temper. Anybody that's done any studying of history knows that. He he had had a terrible, terrible temper. He would fly off the handle and often be swept up in great storms of anger. On one occasion, in a moment of rage, in great anger, don't even know what happened, according to the writer of his biography, said that he grabbed a spear from the hand of a guard and hurled it at a friend. It was a childhood friend, a lifelong companion. His general, named Cletus. No sooner had he released the spear from his hand, Then what he had done struck him. He went to his friend and drew from his body the spear and fell on his knees weeping. They said that for several days Alexander the Great laid lamenting in great remorse, calling over and over again the name of his childhood friend that he had murdered because he couldn't conquer his anger. In just that one moment of anger, just, just so mad and just, I'm just going to throw this. And he killed a childhood friend. It's the ultimate fruit of it, unchecked anger. So how do we overcome anger? How do we defeat it? This is the real heart of the message tonight. I'm going to give you some, some notes, some practical things. First of all, we need to have a right understanding of anger. I've given you some definitions, some descriptions. We've talked about it, trying to try and establish and lay a foundation. But we need to understand that anger is sin. We need to call it for what it is. We can't explain it away. We can't say, well, this is my personality. No, it's sin. It's sin, and it needs to be dealt with by sin, like sin. It needs to be confessed as sin and forsaken as sin. It would be the same for, me, for, just for you to say that this is my personality, or for me to say this just the way that I am would be like me saying, "Well, I'm just a thief. That's just what I am. I'm just a thief." No, stealing's wrong. Amen. We shouldn't be stealing. That's "Thou shalt not steal." So you can't. No, it's sin. It needs to be dealt with like sin. It needs to be conquered and overcome the way we would conquer and overcome any other sin. As long as sin of any kind is excused, tolerated, or permitted, it will not be overcome. So you won't overcome anger in your life as long as you're justifying it and saying, oh, it's okay, it's just the way I am. You need to mark it for what it is, deal with it like what it is, sin. Overcome it with the power of Christ like you would overcome any other sin. Anger, not only is it sin, but anger tends its to bring about more sin. It is kind of a root cause of, of other sins. Proverbs 29, says, An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgressions. Aboundeth in transgressions. It, it brings about more and more sin. You're going you're gonna to compound your, your, your transgressions against God... When you allow anger to continue, it promotes sin against other people. How many gossip chains have been started because of anger? How much self righteous judgment has been promoted because of anger or a complaining spirit maintained because of anger? See, it's more sin is compounded on top of the one sin of anger if we allow that to exist. So we need, to write, we need a right understanding. We need to label it for what it is and deal with it like that. Secondly, we need to rely on God. Just like you would look to God to help you overcome any other besetting sin in your life, you need to rely on God to overcome the sin of anger. It starts with a right relationship with God. You'll be able to cease from anger when you rely on God to overcome it. It's not something you're, it is part of our old nature. It's part of the old man. It's part of our flesh. And and so if you're given to that, you're going to continue to do that unless you can rely on God. Psalms 37, verse 8 and 9. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evil doers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth. Wait upon God. Rely upon God. And cease from the anger that you've allowed to come into your life. A consistent relying upon God. Psalms 37.3, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. The question is, do you desire to overcome it? Do you want to overcome it or are you still justifying it? Are you still explaining it away? Are you still saying, oh, it's okay? It starts with that desire. You know, you delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. If you're delighting yourself in God and you want to overcome it, you have that desire to overcome it, you rely on God and God will help you. God will help you overcome it. You will be able to get past it, just like any other sin. Many times we don't want to overcome it. There's a pastor teaching on the idea of turning the other cheek. He was teaching a group of young boys and teaching them about controlling their anger. And so after he expounded eloquently upon the scriptures and uh, taught what he thought was a very good lesson, he looked at one of the boys in the front row of his class and he said, Young man, if another boy comes up to you and slaps you in the face on your right cheek, what are you going to do? Without missing a beat, the boy looked up and says, How big a boy? <laughs> how, uh, how big a boy? He's like, I'm going to determine what I'm going to do based on the size, not on what is right or wrong. And that's the thing. What, do we want to overcome it? Or are we just trying to figure out how to fit it in with the rest of our life and, and balance it with, with our Christianity and our flesh? But do we want to over, overcome it? We can with God's help. Beloved, when we willingly present ourselves to God, He begins to transform us. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How? Back up a verse by presenting your body. Present yourself to God. Say, God, I want to get victory over this. I need help with this. And God will help you. So you need a right understanding. Name it, label it as what it is, deal with it as sin. Rely on God to give you victory. You need to remove the temptation. Remove the temptation. Proverbs 20, 20, 24 says, Make no friends with an angry man, and with the furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. He's saying, listen, you hang out with an angry person, you're going to start being an angry person. You know, there's some people, they're just fun to be around. <laughs> Last night at dinner, man, Brother Gene Sharp and I, we were having a blast just talking about old times and reminiscing and and, and joking and, uh, you know, just, he's just fun to be with. And, and you know, it's just, we just have that good time. But there's some people that you get around them and, and their negativity or their uh, angry spirit the Bible says, make no friends with an angry man. If there's somebody that's given to a temper, you need to avoid them. You need to say, listen, it's not good for my spirit to be around that. So I can't. To protect my spirit, to help me overcome anger myself, I can't be around that. You've got to remove that temptation. Remove yourself from it. Proverbs 29.8 says, Scornful men bring a city into a snare, but wise men turn away the wrath with wrath. It bringeth the city to a snare. You're going to learn to be like whoever you're hanging around. Remove the temptation. Don't hang around with angry people. Be soft spoken. The soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You know, someone said, Speak when you're angry, and you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. Speak when you're angry and you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. We need a soft answer. And I have seen this so many times in my life. And and usually when somebody comes in screaming mad, they're they're being angry and vocal. In my mind will come, a soft answer turneth away wrath. And I will have to, on purpose, try and think about the greatest way to respond in a soft manner. And I have seen it turn the tide of a conversation many, many times. I've told you before about this. Uh, It's probably one of the most vivid illustrations in my mind, but we were pouring concrete in uh, Lawrence, Kansas. I, I don't know how many yards of concrete we had already poured, but somebody called the inspector And the inspector came out, and we were doing, we had all of our permits, we had everything in line, we had gone through every step, we just didn't know that there was supposed to be an inspection of the rebar before we started pouring. So the inspector came out, and he was cussing mad. I mean, he was just livid. He was, you know, I'll shut this this job down, I'm red-tagging this whole thing, and you guys are going to have to. And, you know, here I am, 23, 24 years old, uh, running this job site, got this whole concrete crew out here. Trucks are dumping concrete, and I, you know, I told everybody to shut it down. And I'm walking around with this this inspector, and I just said, "Well, it's not all poured, you know. Uh, there's a bunch here that's visible. You can see what we've done on this half, and you'll be able to tell what's you know on that half." I said, "But you're in charge." I said, I got, a, I got a backhoe right there. You tell me and we'll, we'll, pull, we'll, we'll dig it all out of there. Whatever, whatever you want us to do. Whatever, you just tell me what you want and we'll make it happen. You know, we're not trying to get anything by you. And then he's like, ah, don't worry about it. Looks all right. You guys go ahead. Get in his car and left. Just a soft answer. And I mean, I just walked away and that, that verse resounding in my mind a soft answer turneth away wrath. And I've seen it many, many, many times happen. So remove the temptation by not hanging out with angry people, by being soft-spoken, by being slow to wrath yourself. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. It's of great understanding. Just be slow to wrath. Have you ever felt anger rising up? Something happened and you're just like... (laughs) You need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you conquer that, to, to keep it from rising up and letting go, letting go you know. Oh, I'm just going to erupt. I can tell on myself again, a few, few weeks ago, just before Andrew went back to college, I had given Andrew some specific instructions about something that we were supposed to do. I had told him what I wanted. I explained what we needed to do. Nothing was vague. And... uh I came down to do it, and he had messed up what we were supposed to do. And in my mind, I'm like, how can you not understand what I explained? And I had a little bit of a Mountain Dew. It was on the porch, and the, the trash cans for off of our porch. The trash cans are off the porch and down the hole there where you walk into the basement. And I was on the porch, and I threw that can towards the trash cans, but in an expression of anger. I was upset with him. I was like, why did you do that? And I threw this can. Well, it didn't didn't go off the porch. It hit the the wall and, of course, threw Mountain Dew everywhere. And uh, I went and looked at a piece of equipment, Tried to figure out what we could do. I was just really frustrated with my son. But he's in the house, and I'm out there looking at this piece of equipment. And the Holy Spirit says, you are wrong. He did not defy you. He didn't, it wasn't disobedient it was something he didn't understand. He was trying to help and you overreacted. And I'm like, man, this is not right. I had to go into the house, tell my son, I said, son, you got to forgive me. I said, I should have never reacted like that. There's no excuse for your father not being in control of his spirit. I said, I shouldn't have reacted like that regardless of what you did. I said, you didn't do wrong, I just know you were trying to help and didn't understand. I said, I'm sorry, can you forgive me? I don't know why this old flesh rises up sometimes. You wish you could just get it conquered and be done with it. But it does. And we've got to be sensitive to the Spirit. To allow us to overcome it and keep it under control. Controlling your spirit. And you need to be swift to forgive. When you hold on to something, it'll keep anger right under the surface. You need to be swift to forgive. You need to replace anger with a biblical response. You can write down Ephesians chapter number 4, I believe it is, and Colossians 3, 8 through 13. These are passages which teach the put off and put on principle. With regards to overcoming things in your life, temptations, there's a time when you've got to put off. The old man put off the old way, and it talks about anger and bitterness and malice and hatred and all of these things, and then it says to put on. And there's things that we're to put on. Kindness, meekness, you know, forbearance, these things that we put on. And I'm not going to take time to read these passages or go through it tonight, but we need to respond biblically. Do you know biblical response is you don't overcome anger with more anger. You overcome it with the opposite. In every situation, the way to overcome it is by doing the opposite. You're dealing with pride, you overcome it with humility. You're de- dealing with anger, you overcome it with kindness. And you've got to do the opposite. That's the biblical way. Overcome cruelty with kindness, overcome pride with humility, overcome arrogance with meekness, overcome impatience with long-suffering. You just need to do the opposite. So start to try and build a biblical response to to your actions. As we bring this to a conclusion tonight, I wonder how are you responding to the things in your life? Are you responding biblically? or Do you have anger under control? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you?